Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 257. Thank you all for tuning in, guys. Um, hope you're all well. Really sp- special one this week. I've been hyping it for a month or so now. Uh, before we get into it, thank you for all the love for the recent episodes. The Stephen Knight episode last week, which involved a lot of information on Peaky Blinders and Taboo and Tom Hardy and Killian Murphy. And all sorts of wonderful stuff. And the week before, the Stephen Merchant episode has gone cr- crazy. It's currently the, the the most popular episode of the year. So thank you for all the love. Um, and the Mary J. Blige one from a few weeks before was also wonderful uh, reaction. So thank you all for tuning in and keeping uh, listening. Uh, before I get into this week's episode, I will tell you that... Um, by now, we should have restocked to the ever-sold-out sunglasses at speechdevelopmentrecords.com, but I'm not going to go on about that for ages. You don't have to skip past this bit. But I will mention that on Monday, um, it's part two of the Distraction Pieces Rewind, where I go over previous Distraction Pieces podcast episodes and give a bit of a behind-the-scenes uh, chat and story. They're normally between half hour and an hour long. Um, and they're available at patreon.com slash scroobiuspip. Um, it's only a dollar. Uh, that's you, like once you subscribe, you probably w- won't notice a dollar um, each month going out of, you, of, of, of your account. Um, if it was five or ten, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't say you wouldn't notice it. I'd say you may find it good good value. You may choose to spend it. But a dollar is, uh, is nice and small amount. And you get, yeah, Distraction Pieces Podcast Rewind. And you get poem of the month at the beginning of the month. And you get previews of all the upcoming guests. Speaking of which, when I posted about today's episode on the Patreon, it's been the most popular post of the year so far. It's had the most likes and the most comments because this week's guest is PC Leon McLeod. We mentioned him on the drunk cast and we were drunk and made a mess of everything. We couldn't pronounce his name right. Um, But... Yeah, to give a little bit of backstory, I won't go into tons of detail because we talk about it in the podcast, obviously, but we leave a key part out in the podcast. So I'll give a quick, basically, Liam was was one of the first responders on the London Bridge terror attack. It was Leon and two two mates of his, um, or actually one he knew and one he hadn't really met before, but um, yeah. And that's, you know... amazing and 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 huge and i was informed a little while after that to commemorate that day he got a tattoo of some of my lyrics and that blew me away uh and we talk about all of it in the podcast but we don't actually say what the lyrics were so i thought i'd tell you in the start um i had a song with dan lesac on our second album called cowboy in fact i'll tell you a little bit about that song in the outro i don't want to feel the intro too much because it's an amazing chat but the lyrics on the last verse of that song go see that is london and that is britain we may get scratched and we may get bitten but even when our heart and resolve is depleted we won't lay down no we won't be defeated um yeah so i mean years on to have that put in such a insane tribute from such an amazing individual uh blew me away but we talk about all that in the podcast i just just wanted to give you the lyrics here we talk about how we met for the first time we are lizards in fact which returns at the end of the month on 
Saturday, March 30th, and we've got the wonderful Simone from Primal Scream coming and spinning some tunes for us. So uh, come down to that. Anyway, let's jump into the podcast because it's a hell of a story. And Leon was, man, he was amazingly open and honest about about the events, humble about his involvement in the events, um, repeatedly stating he didn't feel, he still doesn't feel he deserves any particular credit for it. But um, really humblingly open about the after effects of it all, I guess. But let's jump into it. This is episode 220, is it 227 or 237? Uh, no, it's, it's 257. What am I talking about? Well, that was a smooth into the podcast bit. This is episode, t- oh, also before we go into it, <laughs> um, podcasts that don't have a big celebrity name attached to them, really, it makes a difference if you guys shout about it on social media, and just privately on word of mouth to your mate. So, um, yeah, if you enjoy this one, please please shout about it. On these ones as well, I always, I'm, I'm always overwhelmed by the reaction on socials, but I'm also always likely to give them a good share and a good push because, you know, if it says Stephen Merchant on there, people are going to download it. If it says Peace of Leon McLeod and there's not, and, uh, you know, you can't instantly hear what the story is, in the title then it needs it needs pushing and it needs are you guys spreading the words and this is what the distraction pieces podcast about is about these episodes it's great that you know i get i get approached all the time to have big hollywood stars on these days which is mad to have M- mary j blige and Stephen merchant and joel Eggerson and all these other people that we've had this year alone is mind-blowing but what it's about is the People with just amazing stories as well, not purely based on your level of fame or whatever else. So yeah, please help spread the word on this and make make it clear that these are worth doing and are worth sh- sh- shouting about. That's the beauty of podcasts. I'm getting all rambly, so I'll stop. This is episode 257 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. So, yeah, I'll put my phone on airplane oh, mode. On airplane mode. Good like, work. I, I forgot mine right on it. for a second. The biggest tool I've learned in the last, I've probably been doing it for six months or so now, is that I turn my iPhone to never go to sleep. Right. If that makes sense. So my yes. notes are there and they stay oh, there. Because so doesn't go, I know what you mean. So many podcasts you for years, I'm kind of I'm re- having to reopen it, having to put my thumbprint. <laughs> Looking away. Looks like you've been really worried. Whatever else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I was like, I saw, I think I must have gone on someone else's podcast and they did that. And I was like, that's clever. That's genius. That's a good idea. See, I'd never thought to do that. Not with my uh, my friends at work. You don't want to leave your phone sort of unlocked no. for any amount of time. Same it's a computers. dangerous one. Exactly. Well, I'll, I'll kick things off and introduce you, but I'm going to, because of, I mean, we'll discuss it, but because of appalling 
drunk cast mispronunciations. <laughs> I'm going to let you say your name, and then I'll I'll, I'll learn. I'm, I was really impressed. Correctly. I was really impressed with your pronunciation. Actually, it was. Uh, I think there was two or three different types, but yeah, so it's McLeod, Leon McLeod, <laughs> McLeod, Leon yeah. McLeod, and yeah. I listened back to that chunk of the drunk cast because again, it's a heavy subject. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, like, I wanted to yeah. make sure it was. It's it's ridiculous that we left it till we were three episodes in and hammered to tackle it, it the worked somehow stuff. though it did it did yeah. work <laughs> but I, I listened to that and at one point chris calls you liam and then after that i can tell i'm saying leon but all i could hear was liam so it feels like there's a whole chunk of us it's calling cool, you liam i'm not but, um, i'm not uh i'm not deverish about these type of things man so no. it's, it's sweet so I've been really excited about this, and I'm glad that you could could come on. Anyone who's listened to that part of the drunk cast will kind of of know the story. But I thought I'd kick things off by kind of telling the story of how I heard about you and how we ended up being kind of put in touch. So I got a DM on Instagram... And weirdly, I hardly ever look at DMs. I don't (laughs) too many to go through. Yeah, and for (laughs) some reason, I looked at this one, and it was a friend of yours who wanted to remain anonymous at the time. I believe you now know who it was. Indeed, yeah. But um, and they just said, "Look, a mate of mine, Leon, was one of the first three police officers um, responding on the Tower Bridge, London Bridge, or London Bridge. Sorry, I'm getting it wrong already. um, (laughs) Attack." Uh, in 2017 Mm. and he got a tattoo of some of your lyrics to kind of commemorate that Mm. and they just kind of heard it'd be great if you could drop him a message or something like that and so I did that because I was Mm. just blown away I was moved and then we kind of had a bit of a a back and forth over DMs. Did indeed. Both quite excited. <laughs> and and then you came along to our our, our club night and, yeah, we, and we got to meet. So yeah, that's kind of it's a very good night as well. How we were, we, how, yeah, how <laughs> we got in touch, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, that was really random. I'm not gonna lie. When uh, when you obviously the the request of you know Scrooge Pippers requested to follow, you, I was like, is this a wind up? And I think I mentioned to you at a club night. Yeah. I literally signed up to your Patreon on yeah. that morning. Yeah because uh, I'd been meaning to do it for a while and I was just walking into work and I was listening to the podcast like I do anyway and uh, I was like, oh, right, finally, finally sign up to it. So on the train into work, I signed up and then you started following me. I was like, oh, is this some sort of... It's a good service, right? Yeah, like, wow, that's, that's <laughs> like a bit stalkerish, but fair play. Yeah. And then uh, and then I was literally going to write a message as well, like, going, oh my God, like, I love you, dude. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and then suddenly you sent a message and genuinely I was sitting at work with my, my colleague Amwa and I was like, I can't open this message because I'm a bit... It was too weird. It was too surreal. Yeah. I hadn't slept very much. I'd been on early turn at work. I was like, I, I can't open this yet because I don't know what it's going to say. But, um, yeah, I it was love, mad. I love stuff like that. It I, was and, mad. And not to compare myself at all, but <laughs> when I was on set, on my, I think it was on my first day of filming Walk Like a Panther, yeah. and me and Gus Khan were sitting there waiting around, and there's hours of waiting around on films. And I had my phone, and a notification came up saying, it was an email notification, and the name on the top of the email was um, Samuel L. Jackson. Ridiculous. And I kind of looked at it, and I was exactly the same. I was like, <laughs> I've got to leave that until exactly. we've done this scene to exactly. open it. Like, I need to focus on the scene and all this. Things, yeah. I'm like, and again, I assumed, I was like, that can't be, it must be just someone using the name Some or whatever. Spam, yeah. And then end up I'm looking at it, and it was actual Samuel L. Jackson that was emailing me it's out of the blue. I've never met him, and it was about a... a a charity thing, but yeah, I had that exact cool. thing of you've got to prepare so, yourself. So you've excited got to, to get it, yeah. but I was like, I can't take that yeah. just now. Yeah, I yeah. need. To, I'm going to leave it a bit, and then I'll. Yeah, man, it was. Uh, I'll it was, look at that. That was a strange old day. It was a very weird day, and I was just like, 
whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And but, then, um, yeah, settle uh, down now. <laughs> and then it turned out at the club night that you're a fan of the hardcore listing lads as well. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of a really exciting night for all of us because I told the boys your story, which, again, obviously we're going to get into. Yeah. So they were excited to meet you and they couldn't believe that you yeah. listened to their nonsense. It's and, weird for me that then you guys were, like, excited to meet me. That really, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I, I'll, I'll probably go into it at some point. I'm... The mo- I'm normal, like, well, ish. I guess my colleagues might work, again, would disagree. But to be, yeah, when you guys were, like, genuinely excited to see me, and obviously I've spoken to Chris and Stu since as well. It's, yeah. It's, it's weird. It's so surreal to me. <laughs> it's not It's not what uh, I'm supposed to be doing, I suppose. It's, it's just odd. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the weird world of podcasting, though, exactly, right? That you, yeah. you, as podcasters, you forget, you almost forget that people are listening. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah, weird yeah. thing to get your head round. So no. when it turns out they are... Then it is this overwhelming and moving like, thing. That's the good thing about the drunk cast, though. Yeah. Can you say? Because it is just mates. And then that was the really cool thing for me. Obviously, when I come down and met you guys, you're just normal. You're just yeah. mates. You are, yeah, and it was yeah. like, oh, okay, this is cool. And again, that just makes everything, even like today, a lot more relaxed because it's not like, oh my God, I'm going to meet this person. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, it's just Pip. Like, well, he's, it's, he's all right. <laughs> it's, it's perfect because the club night is kind of, it was the, the pre drunk cast. I yes. started the drunk cast because. I thought the conversations that me, Chris and Stu have standing outside the club night every yeah. every month were just amusing. And I was like, this will be an easy thing to just, we'll go and get drunk yeah, man. and do that. So huh. it's literally, it's weird that those things are the two yeah, yeah. introductions it as was, such in that way. Because it yeah. is, that's, yeah, that's, how, that's it how it came about. It works. I guess. It was a very cool, very cool night. It was good to kind of chat to Chris and Stu as well. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was awesome. I just I was disappointed that I'd left it so long to attend because obviously that's the first one I've been to as well. But man, yeah. it happens a lot, and again, it's it's mad how much the podcast has improved. I mean, we've always had good attendance, but it's yeah. even busier than ever now, and yeah. we get more people coming up. who are like, oh, I heard about it on yeah, the podcast. Yeah. It's like you'd think the music career would be a more <laughs> yeah. natural like match to, think so. to the club night because that's <laughs> yeah. they're, they're the same realm. Yeah, but yeah. A thing of me sitting and talking to people has made people come and get drunk and. Dance as long as they're coming, that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As, as long as the, <laughs> they're getting in the door. But um, absolutely, obviously, you know, one of the reasons it's not easy for you to attend such things is your job. Indeed, because you've indeed. got shifts and, and and things like that. We so don't get many Saturdays off. <laughs> no, exactly. So I want to talk about how you chose that the, that path and what was your route there. But before, yep. as we've been talking about, are you listening to podcasts? Mm. Where do you listen to podcasts? Is it on the way to work? Literally, it- oh, quite a lot of time. So. Um, if I'm going on a long car journey, yeah. I'll always assist to podcasts. And but yeah, ninety percent of the time it's um, kind of to and from work. It literally um, it's changed long car journeys, yeah. isn't it? Because oh for me, God. completely, I used to hate having to go exactly to, to pick up merch, all yeah, these other things. Yeah, and yeah. now it's like, yeah, fine. It's, if I've got a backlog of good podcasts, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not a thing. That's exactly it. So like in my um, my previous job, I used to work in an office, mm. and. Uh, what can I say? I wasn't the most social all the time. So, so a lot of the time then it was a case of I'll be listening to them at work. Yeah. And it was the one problem when I when I started um, with the police and you was doing a lot of training. Suddenly it was like, oh, I can't listen to podcast during the day anymore. Yeah. So it just become my normal routine. Now, like I say, any long car journeys, um, any journey into work, unless there's, unless I've kind of got a new album or something. Yeah. yeah but yeah, um, yeah man, that's, it's just, I'm just obsessed with podcasts. It's a bit, a bit nerdy, but it's cool, man. I love it. I love it. So, so what was... Your route into the into the police force because you said you had worked in offices and yeah, stuff like yeah. that before. So, kind of, what made you decide that it was something that you so, wanted to um, do? Because with my in recent years, the police force have had 
mixed press. Mm. I mean, more so in America, with with, with, yeah. with with some of the things going on. And it's always been a weird conflict for me because yeah. I'm massively a supporter of the people and the mm. average man on the street and yeah. things like that. But equally, my granddad was a yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a policeman, and he was he was one of the good guys. So yeah, yeah. my idea on the solution to the negative or any any negative opinions people have of the police yeah the solution is to get good people in those roles yeah, yeah, right to get rather than say oh i hate the police say well or they're all bad or whatever else yeah. how do we get more people or again the the racist accusations again yeah. a lot in america yeah your people may not know from the podcast it's, but you're 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 you're, yeah. you're you're a black guy yeah, yeah so yeah. it's kind of it's it's <laughs> that it's it's positive things to go well rather than sit there yeah. going well they hate me, go, well, I'm going to go and improve that. I'm going to go and it's, be part of It's that. like an unfortunate, awkward thing where negative experiences with police and anything like that yeah. always leaves that kind of more memorable mark than a positive one. And, of course. And I get it. And, like, you know, I'm not going to – I'm normal, so I'm going to sit here and be honest. Like, I've yeah. seen people kind of – you know, I know there's not always – not every police officer's the best in the world. Yeah. It's mad, though, because everyone not that the majority. I actually know and have yeah. actually met, yeah, is amazing. Exactly. It's really um, – I can sit down and have reasoned yeah. conversations yeah, yeah, absolutely. and discuss – Complex things, yeah, and yeah, it not completely. be this. Well, here's the law. That's that. It's exactly, and it, but it's people. just it's just unfortunate that it's always the negative things that a lot of the time end up in the press in terms of policing. Of and you know, I try to. I think I do my job pretty well. I try to not. <laughs> I don't think I'm unfair or anything like that. I think yeah. one of the things that kind of helped me. So, I mean, obviously, you asked a question about how I kind of got into it. So, I wanted to join when I was 18. Um, I think, if I'm being honest, I I, I like. I enjoyed school, it was really cool, and I, but I, I wasn't very academic, shall we say. Yeah, sure. Got through my um, GCSEs and then stayed on and done A-levels just because, um, I don't know, I didn't really know what else I wanted to that's, do. That's what you meant to do, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. like a lot of other people do anyway. Um, and then, yeah, when I turned 18, I, I did uh, apply to join the Met. I mean, I can imagine my application was awful. Right. Just because I wouldn't have had any kind of ex- life experiences. You have yeah. to put a lot of things to it and I wouldn't have had anything to put to it, basically. Right. Um, so I could say, yeah, then I, I started working for my, my stepdad's plumbing company at the time. Went from there to um, to working in this office job, like I said, I was doing before. Um, that was, it started as a logistics thing. Yeah. Sending out their courses and then I sort of ended up editing these courses for them. Like, it's, it's not that interesting, I'll be yeah, honest. sure. Um, and basically, um, I was kind of settling down. I had a, a long-term partner um, and we were kind of planning for the future and looking to buy a house and just start thinking, like, what do I actually want to do? And um, I never felt like nine to five was for me. It just never – It was. I know there's probably a lot of people that wake up on a Monday morning like, oh, I can't stand this, but it, I genuinely was like, this is not yeah. This is not right for me. So I started thinking about it and, and I had quite a few friends who were in the police force as well. And, uh, yeah, so kind of suddenly – got that little idea in my head and then I mean there's a lot of effort you have to put into the application it's not just a quick sort of 10 minute thing it took hours and days and just a lot of effort that went into writing this application and and get into the interview stage and stuff and yeah, yeah and, and that's really interesting that that's, well, that's, that's it yeah. I, I love that it was what you wanted to do from the start but you mm. had to go and live a bit of life before you could absolutely do it. that's a fascinating thing where were you Growing up, was so, it in um, South London? Uh, well, I was born in I was born in Dartford, so right, you should yeah, probably yeah. hate me being an Essex lad. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I was born in Dartford, and then kind of grew up 
it's kind of the outskirts of South East London, like around Bexley, Bexley yeah. Heath, um, Belvedere. Um, and, and, I mean, yeah. we'll discuss later your incorrect choices in South London, but Sorry, um, we'll Sorry. get to that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Steady. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but yeah so, so how was it kind of putting together that, that kind of application? And, and, and did you feel at this point that you were ready? It, yeah, yeah. It Whereas was, you could maybe look back at when you first applied and thought yeah. that, that version of oh, me man. wasn't ready. I'm glad not. I didn't get in there. I think, I think, you know, I'll be really honest. I think if the wrong type of person, and it's not everyone, because I know there were people on my intake that were sort of 18, yeah. sort of between 18 and 21. And um, I think if the wrong type of person joins at such a young age, you can become quite institutionalised and... yeah. You know, I think I would have at eighteen. That would have been me, and yeah. you know, I you don't know where it's going to kind of lead you off on life. But I, on a personal way, I'm quite happy with how it panned out. So when you did apply, and when yes, you got accepted. Yeah, what was the the process there? And do you kind of the way I look at it is, you, I guess it's kind of is it like college type thing where you have to choose an area. That not, you're going into not or? initially. So you join just as a, a sort of police constable. Yeah. I think there are certain ways in that you can go as DCs and stuff now, but you join as a police constable. So obviously, like I say, I was doing the application and I knew I was doing the right thing then because I was genuinely getting really excited about this, you know, doing this thing. Yeah, It's odd because I've not had, I didn't have any previous policing experience. I've not been a PCSO, I've not been a special or anything like that, but I was kind of just really, it, I don't know, it just felt right. So is that quite a common thing as well, that people do the more... The volunteer type, a lot of people like that, do, yeah. So, and, and that'll get their experience to then. Yeah, go. I think it, so. In total, my intake was forty people, and you know, a good probably thirty, forty percent of them had, well, probably even more actually had some previous bit as a special right. PCSO. There was quite a lot. Yeah. In a weird way, I was quite happy to join with nothing because then when you're learning the law side of things, you can kind of just get it as that rather yeah. as when you're a PCSO and you've got different powers and the special, I guess, there's certain different things that you can and can't do. Right. So yeah. um, it was quite, I think it was quite beneficial to me just to be able to go, right, this is, you know, that's this what, this is my job, that's what yeah. I do. Um, so, yeah, we, you, well, obviously I'm in the British Transport Police, so we have uh, 22 weeks training um, over in Highbury and Islington. Literally, you're just kind of going through law and, and then you have all your sort of officer safety training and the thing that we have to do on top of um, sort of what home office forces do is we have to do track safety as well, which is another couple of weeks. But right. yeah, and then once you do that, you you start going out um, and you have an eight weeks tutoring phase, which is just where you've kind of got someone looking after you. And Is it anything like tr- tr- training day starring Denzel Washington? Not quite, not quite. Not, you know, there's, there's probably similarities, but, but yeah... Um, it's quite the, basically the eight weeks is really important after you come out because obviously in, in this kind of learning environment that's where you're taught all the law. Yeah. When you go out and do the eight weeks, that's when you're kind of taught this is actually how you do the job and this is how you apply things. And like the what the biggest thing for me again, like I'd, I'd done the twenty two weeks and I'd, I'd done all right with the kind of studying and stuff, but I was very aware that doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to be any good at the job because yeah. there's loads of people that have got all the knowledge, but then when it comes to being able to talk to somebody and being able to apply it, it's it's not that simple. So um. I was very aware of that, but again, I think I was quite lucky with who I got tutored by. He was really good. We're still pals now, so um, That's great. yeah, I think I was pretty. I just, I just think I was lucky, really. It's, it's, everything yeah. kind of come together, and it was good timing, and yeah, yeah it worked so, out all right. So, how was it on those those kind of first days? Because I'd imagine, no matter how much tr- 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 yeah. training you've had, 
it's still a nerve-wracking thing. Yeah, completely. And equally, whilst the public don't know that you're yeah, new, yeah. you know that this is your first time to be out. Fair, this is your first time in that situation. They can probably tell because you've got a really shiny yellow vest that's right, yeah. um, got – it just reeks of I'm, I'm new, I'm yeah. fresh out of the box. I'm new here. But, um, yeah, it's it nerve-wracking. Um, I think my first shift was a Sunday and then I had a couple of days off anyway, which probably sort of just helped me settle in. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just – it was exciting. Yeah. I think I got in about an hour early just because you're like, I don't know. I didn't know what the kind of process was. So you're just trying yeah. to learn as you go a little bit. So, yeah, just got in really early. My tutor wasn't even in yet for a long time. And then, uh, yeah, I think we ended up actually going for breakfast for a little while. And he sort of just shows you some of the systems, the computer systems, because as much yeah. as you're to it when you're learning, you don't use them. So, yeah, yeah it, was, it was all very, very exciting. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's one thing to learn everything in uh, yeah. uh, uh, a learning setting, it's another yeah. thing to apply it exactly, in, in exactly, real world, exactly. Right? So, um, I just, like I said, I just think I was really lucky. Everything kind of, it was, I had a good tutor who I got on with and I think then that obviously means he could trust me and relax a bit and it just created a really good sort of initial learning experience, I suppose. It's really, it sounds yeah. a bit, oh God, I hope he never hears this because uh, he'll love it, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was really good, yeah. Do you, do you remember any first kind of, Days or incidents that you kind of felt right. I, I'm, I know I'm not that I know that I'm doing. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to be all right at this, or I'm going to be good at this. One thing that's really good is so when you're in your last few weeks um, of like the learning, the training school, um, they take you out. You go down to Euston Station normally, or one of the one of the sort of big London stations. You go out in uniform. You have someone with you, and they put these uh, these role plays on, but in public, obviously. Right. And that's a really, really good thing, I have to say. Like, I, I know a lot of people will sort of coat the training that we have because um, sometimes it's a little bit tedious or something. You know, there's things yeah. that can be done differently. But um, it's called a Ross Day. It's like a real officer scenario training or yeah. something like that. But, yeah, and they are really helpful because that's where you're you're essentially dealing with something. No one's telling you, right, you're going to this, you know. No one's yeah. telling you what it is. You're You're right. just told to go to this location. That's great. This is what's there sort of yeah. thing. Yeah even less information than what you'd get when you're actually uh, doing the job. So that's really helpful because it's that time when you suddenly go and you're like, okay, I do know how to apply things here. And it's a really big confidence boost. Like certainly for me, that was a massive thing for me because like I, say, I hadn't done anything before. I hadn't been out in uniform before. So going along and doing that and, and you sort of go, right, okay, I, I can do this. It's just It was just a, a little sort of tick box of, right, okay, yeah. still don't get carried away because thankfully that's not really my personality but yeah. it was just a good thing to kind of go yeah okay i, I can I, handle this yeah I, I know yeah. what i'm doing i can i can see an offense and and kind of put something to it and know how to deal with it yeah so um yeah that's that was really helpful um in terms of like say when we went out when you're being tutored a lot of the time it's just you'll have a discussion when you're going to a job of right what are you thinking where you know where's your head at and, yeah. and you can kind of discuss it before you get there so but then again it normally you get there and it turns out to be something completely different but yeah <laughs> that's always the way so, so what are kind of the most common kind of things that you have to deal with as a London um, a Met Police officer? British Transport Police. Or British Transport yeah. Police, sorry. We're way better, no. Um, <laughs> it depends. It, it kind of varies. So obviously previously I, w- I was working at London Bridge and that's like a – it's basically it's a hub. So there's always officers there pretty much pretty much 24-7. A lot of the time then there's a lot of sort of just public order offence that's just like shouting and swearing, I guess. Right, yeah. Thankfully, there's kind of low-level assaults at the moment. There's quite a lot of shoplifting going on there because it's all been transformed and there's loads of shops. But, right, yeah, of course. But um, it it varies. So I'm, I'm working out of Stockwell now and, and that's just – that's kind of 
a far more wide range world. Yeah. Of, you know, there's there's a lot more stuff that goes on. Unfortunately, like the sort of stuff you see in the news, yeah. we 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 cover a lot of that. So um, yeah, yes, yeah, I, I don't know what the kind of most common thing exactly would be, but it's 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 a lot more. It just it does vary from kind of just location to location. But certainly yeah, I'd imagine because yeah. ones are very touristy type exactly. location, and ones exactly. are very not touristy exactly. location. Yeah, so. yeah. So um, it, it's yeah, like. Stockwell's a response post as well, so we cover kind of your Brixtons and yeah. all these lovely, uh, lovely London areas that yeah, are, yeah. are unfortunately in the news for a lot of the wrong reasons at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, and um, or, or, or they were always when I was a kid growing up in Essex, but coming into London a mm. lot, I'd go to Brixton for gigs. Yeah, Brixton was at that point the scary place. Yeah, and it seems so <laughs> ignorant now, but it was like yeah, yeah. it's dangerous there. No, I get and that. And that was yeah, kind yeah. of the the view of the area, and it's yeah. got a lot lot better as it's become kind of a bit trendier and all these kind of things but still I think one of the problems that we've had with the gentrification type stuff Mm. in East London and now in South London is you get a lot of people who don't realise that these are also areas you need to be a bit careful in you need to have your wits about you and not be a loud drunk or whatever else because these are areas where you may be visiting to buy some really good chicken, but <laughs> there's people there who, you know, are on the breadline or, uh, you know, have, have, have had rough l- yeah, lives yeah, yeah. and are, are trying to get by in whatever way, you know, applicable. But it, It's like you say, it is that gentrification and it is, there's, there's, there are kind of okay parts of, of Brixton and, you know, even Stockwell, it's, it's not... On paper, it doesn't look like the most glamorous area, but there are kind of okay parts. But it's just there's there's a lot that's kind of not great at the moment, I suppose. And like I say again, it's they're the unfortunate bits that get reported, and they're the things that you see. And obviously, the police officer, they're the things you end up dealing with as well. Yeah, of course, it's a weird one. I've always said that. Obviously, I've got South London ties, but mm. I feel far more comfortable in South London than, for example, in West London. Yeah, because in West London. Like in South London, I might feel as if there's a chance I'm going to get punched in the face. <laughs> in West London, I feel there's a good chance someone's going to turn around and go, "You're not meant to be yeah. here. Can you, what are you doing? Can you leave, please. What, what are you it's doing true. in this fancy yeah, area?" Yeah. For some reason, I'm more comfortable with the idea completely. of an incident than a, a, a being found out. So, I yeah, totally get that. Yeah. It's an odd one. So, <laughs> uh, when was it that you joined? What year? So did you... I joined. Oh my God, so it would be four years this year, so I'm still fairly, Yeah. I still feel fairly new, um, and I guess I am in the grand scheme of things, but yeah, it would have been so 20, 2015, I guess, S- September 2015. So you will have only, with you have s- s- six months where it's essentially training day, yep. so in Denzel Washington, exactly. um, <laughs> so you will have only had a year and a half to two years when, um, in June t- 2017, yeah. when the London Bridge... Yep attack happened so yeah. I mean that's a huge a huge thing for someone who still feels qu- yeah. quite new so can you kind of talk us through with you know in any way you want with yeah. further listeners we've discussed before yeah, and yeah. you can go into as much as, as or as little detail as you want yeah. and as is yeah, allowed yeah. Um, from exactly you know, you the inquest sort of in uh, it's going to be in May start on May so yeah in terms of what's kind of not in the public anyway. Yeah. I can't go into a great I mean, detail I'm, about that. But, I'll mention um, that now that yeah. we've been discussing this for a good couple of months now because yeah. we wanted to make sure that, number one, it didn't clash or cause any disrespect yeah, yeah. or issues with the inquest. Yeah, yeah. It was okay with uh, the, the powers that be. Yeah, completely. And, you know, it was okay 
with you and mm. we'll get to the timing around it as well because yeah, there's yeah. a London Marathon thing we yeah, want to talk yeah, about. Yeah. So, but yeah, just to be clear to any any listeners, this isn't kind of a, oh, let's have a chat, fuck it. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's been thought <laughs> yeah, out in that yeah. way. So, yeah, I guess how did that day play out? That seems such a broad yeah. question. But um, Yeah, like I say, I'll have to be slightly sceptical, but yeah. um, it was, it's just... So obviously, I was on. I was working with um, with Wayne, who's um, who's been in the in the news a lot because yeah. clearly of what happened to him. But um, he was on my intake as well. Uh, so, right. and it was that kind of weird thing where we knew each other, but we'd never really worked together very often. Yeah. And so we'd been on nights on the Friday, and like I say, it was pretty much the first shift we'd we'd had together, and it was like, oh, we're actually all right. Like, yeah, sort yeah. of had had a decent shift. We crewed up again on the Saturday night, and um, yeah, we started at nine o'clock. And then I think he was slightly late. I mean, I don't know. If I should grasp him up for that. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, and we, cause, I mean, it had been Champions League final night. And we, to be honest, we were kind of, I remember we were just chatting about like what we we're going to have for, to eat and if we were going to be able to get in to watch the highlights of the football and stuff like that. And it's just, it's just normal. It is, yeah. It's that weird thing where, um, again, I know I, you work at an iconic location with the Shard and stuff around, but. It's, maybe it's a, I don't know. I don't think it's Blas' attitude, but I I just thought, well, you know, if if something happens, you're always reacting to it rather yeah. than it kind of being right on top of you and being involved in it. And also, you, you your job is responding to exactly. stuff. So exactly. It's, it, it, by the time you realise it's something big, yeah. you've probably not got any time to be exactly. worrying so or thinking about this. It, it's got to be more in hindsight. Exactly I guess, that. Like, wow, last yeah, yeah. night was nuts. Completely that. Um, so yeah, so we we we've kind of got kitted up. And um, we was on this like night tube duty at London Bridge, so we were literally just going to pop out, kind of go and see staff, have a chat, have a little wander around, just you know, be visible. And um, and then, like I say, probably heading for something to eat and, and try and catch some of the football. And it was literally a case of we we left the office, and uh, I just remember we we sort of heard this noise, and I didn't know it, it wasn't anything untoward. It's Saturday night in London. Mm. I didn't, I genuinely didn't think anything of it, and then. You know, in short, Wayne thought there was a fight going on, so we kind of run down the end of the street, and slowly this whole thing began to unfold. And yeah, it it kind of turned out. Obviously, it was a lot more serious. It took a long time in my head for it to even realise. Okay, something bad's going on. Yeah, again, as weird as that sounds, when we're police officers, if someone comes up to you and says someone's been stabbed, you don't suddenly start thinking. Oh, this is this is like a real, uh, you know, it's a terrorist attack. Of course, it was just a case of dealing with what was in front of us. And yeah, I mean, again, like I say, yeah. London on a Saturday night. If someone yeah. comes up to you and says someone's been stabbed, they might not have even been stabbed. There yeah. might have been something kicking yeah, off. This, exactly. This interpretation. Well, well, bearing in mind the football had been on, you know, and it hadn't finished that long before. Yeah, it doesn't happen often, really, that you get serious, serious football things like that. But you, you know, you never know. Never it does, know, yeah. it does happen. So, yeah, I think initially. We just kind of ran into this thing, and and I've always said that it's probably a good thing we didn't know what was going on. Had we, had we come out two minutes later, and had we heard something on the radio of this is what's going on, you kind of approach with a lot more caution, understandably. Yeah. Because we didn't know what was going on, we just sort of ran into this situation and and just tried to kind of do what we could. I think it was only after I sort of initially, like I say, after after Wayne had been injured. Um, and I'd kind of been on the radio again and just, yeah, trying to get more back up. Yeah. It was only really after then, and I was kind of walking to try and find the guys again, that it sort of, some, that was when it hit home and it was like, okay, something's bad yeah. is happening here. Because it was just all random. It wasn't yeah. 
a gang thing. It wasn't kind of like a group that, you know, were all together. And yeah, it been wasn't some a sort clear of clash or incident. Exactly. It was... it was just random. And yeah, that kind of, it was, I remember at the time I was like, I don't, I don't know. So I didn't want to kind of go, oh, look, like on the radio, I didn't want to say, look, I think there's a terrorist attack going on. But yeah. I remember saying something along the lines of like, I think this is serious. This is, this is yeah. something serious. Like, and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, the weirdest thing is it all seemed to go on forever. Like, yeah. I mean, I, like, obviously I'm 10, it's quite a quick time, but if I kind of went into the whole story, I could be sitting here talking about it for ages, but really and truly it's only the sort of first 10 minutes that lots was going on. Yeah. After that, there was just a lot of kind of doing first aid and just trying to kind of get people out of the cordon and, and just look after, kind of look after the situation. It was, it was so... It's just weird how your brain works. And I think, yeah, I remember the first time I got my phone out, like I say, I know it was like pretty much bang on 10 o'clock when we left the office because we had a sergeant who was basically, it was <laughs> it was his last shift at London Bridge. He was yeah. going back to uh, to Croydon, I think. So um, I'd literally called him because he'd brought donuts in, which is thankfully I ate too. Otherwise, I don't know how I would have got through the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great sugar kick. But um yeah. But yeah, so I'd called him because we were just going to go in and say goodbye basically before he finished. And so I, I must have looked at my watch or something, knew it was pretty much bang on 10 o'clock. And uh, like I say, it felt like hours had passed. And I got my phone, it was when I had the opportunity, I got my phone out and it was like half 10. That's mad, And it right? was the weirdest thing ever. And I, I texted my missus and was just like, and we, we had a, a little boy or we got a little boy. And uh, I knew she'd be asleep anyway. So it wasn't kind of an urgent thing but I just said so like I'm okay yeah and yeah. knew she'd wake up at some point to that and yeah but it was and and, yeah. and and that's an interesting thing I think that isn't talked about much is anyone who's in that job anytime anything like this happens yeah. everyone will assume the worst I know yeah. on that night um, my girlfriend has got a really good friend who's in the police yeah. in London and she was hadn't heard yeah. obviously hadn't heard from yeah her, yeah yeah there's stuff going exactly, on, but there yeah. was that panic and fear of, yeah. well, that's kind of the area he works in yeah. or often responds there. What's My phone was going mad be? and it was like, <laughs> I've got a friend, Kenny, who uh, who works at Waterloo. And like I say, because we, we, we had a really good intake, we had a really close um, group and we've still got our little WhatsApp group going now. Yeah. And so me and Kenny had been talking anyway about maybe trying to meet up. So everybody on our intake, they knew that I was at work at London Bridge. Yeah. Kenny wasn't far away and, and yeah, we, we'd been talking about meeting up for a tea. So again... Like, I guess as soon as news starts to break, they're all suddenly more concerned. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was It was just, it's so surreal. It, and it's it's little things like, um, I remember like when I first was telling a story like back and you had, I had to give a first account obviously on the night to, um, to officers. And in my head it was like so dark. Yeah. But yet when I, I went back to kind of where it happened like on a late shift at night and, I, and you, you kind of look at it, it's such a well-lit area. Yeah, and it's so course. weird how your brain just focuses on the kind of important bits, and yeah. you know, obviously, kind of, yeah. When there's knives involved, your brain focuses on things like that, not what else is going on. It just cuts the the, the kind of the crap, essentially. Yeah, yeah. It, it was you just go into autopilot. That's the one thing I've always said. Like again, because we didn't know what was going on, you're just dealing with what's there, and you just kind of it was all automatic. I wasn't at any point thinking I should do this now. I should do that. Yeah. And that's what's amazing. Yeah. Is, again, it's it's the thing. I think Stu summed it up on um, on in a drunken slur on the <laughs> drunk cast where he was saying it's being someone who's able 
to see people running in one direction and yeah. running in the opposite direction. You and know that's what? part of your job kind when of thing. When we join, that's kind of one of the things that they kind of say about is, you know, yeah, going towards the things that people are running away from. Yeah. I, it's, I, don't, I, I don't know how that kind of clicks in our head because, like I say, I'm a normal person. It's, it's, it's I, such a weird one, though, because it is so, it's, it's I can genuinely there. sit here and say... Had I not been at work, I don't know if, if I would have done the same thing. Yeah. But because I'm working and it's my job, like, you know, I've, obviously um, you know, I'm friends with Wayne and Charlie now, the yeah. other two officers that were kind of commended. Yeah. And um, I've always said, like, I'm, I'm blown away by what Charlie done because he wasn't at work. He had been out with friends. Right. And he then got involved in this situation. I oh, just, wow. Like, I wasn't aware I of that. I don't think I would have done that. Yeah. I'm not saying I would have run away, but I can honestly say I don't, I don't think I don't. There's no shame in that. So it's... Oh, that's got to be testament to the tra- tra- training, right? I had, I had yeah. a guy called, called Wayne Sharrocks on who did. We talked about um, th- he's campaigning to raise the age of joining the army because yeah, he yeah. joined at a young age and it's changed him yeah. m- mentally um, irreparably. But mm. one of the things that we discussed, despite him not, despite him wanting that change and all this. We both kind of had to agree that as harsh and as kind of horrible as the training can be mm. in the army, it's kind of what's needed for the job they then have to yeah. go and do. It's not good for when they have to leave yeah. and so on and so forth, yeah. but for the job they have to do. And I guess it's a similar thing there. The fact is you were at work yeah. and you've been it is, trained and told how It's how literally something I kind of noticed quite early on with myself is that you put this uniform on, and I guess it was kind of I noticed it more in the aftermath. You put this uniform on. And you do feel a bit kind of stronger and you do feel a bit protected, even yeah. though it's just a uniform. It is just a uniform yeah, yeah. and it's still the same person, but you suddenly feel like a bit more like, okay, I can deal with this. It's fascinating. And it was one of those, that. that was one of the things that really hit me afterwards is the first time I put my uniform back on, I didn't feel like that. I, it was it was difficult. It was a really, I mean, <laughs> it probably didn't help that I I lost a lot of my uniform because it had to be, destroyed because it was kind of not very tidy shall we say yeah, yeah. um but yeah you, you, it, i just didn't have that kind of i don't want to say aura but mm. the, i didn't feel like oh, okay i'm i'm as safe as i was I, yeah I, it, there was a lot of it exactly I, stripped I, it, away it's slightly. weird i don't want to say because i think it almost sounds as if i you know really hyping up this uniform but it's, it's not it was just there's something that it adds to you, i feel i feel like when you're wearing it you just you feel that little bit braver, that little bit stronger. I don't know. Yeah, you've got um, that responsibility. But on yeah, and I guess that was yes. just one of quite a lot of things that I noticed afterwards initially. That it was just like, no, this this isn't. This doesn't keep me safe. Essentially, it doesn't. Yeah. It, 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 it's a bit of a reality kit hit, I guess. Yeah. So, so yeah. on on the night, from what has already been reported, so I assume yeah. we're okay to discuss. Wayne was injured. Yeah, Wayne got stabbed and. The quote in a lot of things was that he said to you to go after him, to yeah, go, go yeah. And get him. So you then had to go. And where did Charlie kind of? The thing is, apparently, apparently Charlie had come up to us, and I genuinely again, this is where a lot goes on. I don't remember yeah. him coming up to us. I don't remember like really talking to him. I think <laughs> again, Charlie, Charlie's memory is a little bit hazy of it, sort of as well, because he said that he thought I was a white guy, right. and uh, <laughs> obviously Wayne's black. I'm mixed race. So it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, like apart after this kind of the initial bit, um, and you know the, the guys had had run off, and Wayne initially followed, and when he came back, and that was when I first noticed he had this this head injury. Basically, yeah. didn't know he had any other injuries. 
and I was like, just dude, you need to, you need to sit down. You need to, you know, he's not in any state to kind of be running around and whatnot. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I was, I was like, you need to sit down. I was on the radio, obviously, just again, requesting for kind of backup and, and letting them know that an officer had been injured. And, uh, and yeah, he's like, you know, we need, we need to get him. I was like, you sit down and kind of, yeah, I'll, I'll don't, don't worry. I'll, I'll go. Yeah. I think at the, it's weird. I can't, again, I can't remember exactly, but there, I know we, we have like a CID officer, um, at London Bridge as well. And I know a lot of those guys like came out really quick, thankfully. Yeah. yeah. So one of them was um was kind of with Wayne, so I was just like, look, just stay with him and and I'll go and yeah, see see what's going on essentially. Yeah. And try and find him because that's with this kind of incident, you know, even if you're not necessarily engaging, you want to keep eyes on and see what's going on because then you can report it back to. <laughs> the people better trained to deal with these situations, which obviously what happened in the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't see them again after that, but yeah. I knew where they'd gone, and and yeah, and it was just about trying to feed that information back, really. So was that kind of 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 of, of the next step? Is kind of everyone's on hand to get as much information through as possible yeah. for those who can then yeah, yeah, yeah. intercept and a, a, a train to, exactly. a to intercept yeah, and exactly. deal with that. So I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously. It's, very well reported that you know the, the guys um, were in, ended up being shot. Yeah. So I, it, again, it's it felt like forever until backup arrived, like uniform backup. It, it felt like so long, but I remember like when you suddenly see them, and it was that kind of thing of okay, this is in hand now. The first, yeah. not I, again, it's weird because I, I didn't feel, and I guess it's this where you're not thinking straight and you're not thinking properly. It didn't feel like a really dangerous situation, right? Yeah, yeah. Although yeah. my colleagues injured and there's there's a lot of of casualties, it it wasn't kind of computing in my head of this is really dangerous situation. Yeah. Um, and I know I've mentioned before it was only when you hear the gunshots. Yeah. The, <laughs> um, that was when it was like, oh shit, this is this is yeah. real. Yeah. This is real. Yeah. This is like actually happening. And um, yeah, I. It's just, it's all still very surreal. It, yeah, like you, I, I couldn't really word it as anything else. It's just the most surreal experience ever. Kind of, it feels quite out of body, I guess, in a way. Because as I say, it was also automatic, just reacting to stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just, just insane. <laughs> how long was it until you got to go home? After um, this. And how was that the first time you got to go home? Because that is the point where I guess yeah. you become Leon again. Yeah, you, you, I mean, you're, you're out of the uniform. You're out of the situation. I think I think I knew quite early on that something wasn't right in the back of my head. Yeah, and all night I just thought I just want to kind of carry on. And like I've always, I mean, I, I don't do this to be modest. I'd, I'd always kind of try to play down what I'd done because yeah. I just tried to do my job. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I remember, I look back now and think, I don't know why I'd done that, was um, when, when we kind of got Wayne out of that, that hot zone, essentially, where, yeah. where no ambulances are coming, no help's coming. When we got him out of there, I don't know why I didn't go to the hospital or stay with him, but I ended up handing him over to other officers and then, yeah. and then going back in and just kind of carrying on. And I don't know. There was no thought process to that. Yeah. There was no... I, I just... It was... Yeah, that's that was weird. So... Not long after that, I, we, I kind of ended up in this 
this weird cereal. So in the police, um, when you've got like football events, you have cereals. So it's normally like six officers and a sergeant or something like that. Right, okay. So we kind of ended up in this like makeshift group where there was a skipper um, and and a, a few a, a, a group of officers. And uh, yeah, quite early on, he's like, um, where, where have you come from? Like, yeah. Where have you, yeah, where have you been? Like, so where, who where are you? Have you? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, and, you know, I obviously explained, well, um, I was with Wayne and blah, blah, blah. And um, I remember he was just kind of like, shit are you, are you all right yeah yeah, yeah. and i remember i said to him I, I just kind of just want to carry on right and yeah he he was perfect all night so i mean at that point he just got me to call through to the um control room just to again give a pretty brief first account and again i think i mean i'm not being horrible but i think certain other sergeants might have been like no you need to go in you need to get out of this yeah yeah but he he let me carry on and it, it, I needed to do that. Yeah, I was going to say um, that's what you needed at the time, right? Certainly to at keep that point. It as, um, this is yeah, work. I it's need still to it was still work. a live incident at that point. Although you know, as it turns out, it had kind of you know, for use of a better term, it had been dealt with. Yeah, we didn't know if there was anyone still outstanding and stuff yeah. like that. So I just wanted to carry on, and obviously, whilst there's still injured people, you just want to try and help. That's what we're there to try and do at that stage. You just want to try and help and. He he was perfect. I've I've spoken. We've we've kind of had um, drunken emotional chats since. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he he got it so right, and yeah, it was just it wasn't bothering me. He wasn't coming out to me going, "You okay? You okay?" For five minutes, yeah. he just got it occasionally. You're right. A little arm on the shoulders, sweet. Like, yep. Yeah. And so perfect. I was kind of out until about three in the morning. Right. And then I mean, I, I, again, I, and this, I'm not knocking the job. But I think they might have thought I'd gone to the hospital with Wayne. Yeah. Um, otherwise again they might have I imagine they would have been like we need to get him out of there yeah so yeah about three o'clock in the morning um, I remember they were calling up my call sign and I was in the toilet funny enough so I didn't hear it and my colleague kindly informed the control room I was in the toilet <laughs> so I come back out and yeah like I say we kind of got we got stood down and relieved and, and a, another group of officers kind of took over from what we were doing yeah and again that was when it all started to sink in so um, I remember we got taken back in a car or I got taken Everyone went in a van, and I got put in a car with um, some people of rank. I genuinely can't remember who they are. I can't remember what rank they were or anything like that. And, yeah, that was just when the kind of emotion hit, and it was like, oh, shit, like, yeah, damn. And uh, I got a little bit teary in the back of this car, and I was like, I wanted to keep it. It's really weird, but I just wanted to keep it together until I was, like, in a building where I knew I could just... Let it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, we got we got back to... We had an office at Waterloo at the time. Got back there and there was about 10 of us all stood in the kind of front area of this building. And you could just tell everyone's kind of looking at each other like, what the fuck? Yeah. What's, what, has we, what have we just been dealing with? Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah, literally it was at that stage. I just, I just went, I just broke. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, one of my colleagues, he come and just sort of put me in a little side room got me a drink and and yeah and then it was kind of not long after that you start to get debriefs and stuff and yeah it was it was just a weird feeling because like i say i i guess you're just bottling it up yeah yeah but again to get a job done yeah you're bottling I, it up to go and you're continuing it. to go right no i'm i'm in my uniform i'm on the street yeah this what, is it one so. of the things i've always said as well and again it's a little bit of experience but like a lot of the time as a peace officer you are kind of acting yeah because no matter what the situation is, you need to go in and you need to try and get just control of it. Yeah. And that can be, you know, you might be flapping under the surface, but you've got to just keep 
that level of I know what I'm doing and we we can control this. And I guess it was that, but just intensified where, you know, I'm in this uniform, just got to get on with it. And then, yeah, even though yeah. clearly there was a lot going on in my head. And again, it's little things like I didn't realise how much not knowing how weight, I mean, I knew he was conscious and alive when when yeah. when he'd been kind of taken away. But I didn't know how he was and I didn't really know the extent of his injuries. And like I say, thank, when I got debriefed, uh, literally, so the first thing he said is, Wayne asked how you were. And again, that just broke me. I just yeah. crumbled. I was yeah, like, of course. Oh my mate. God. Um, yeah, it was, wow. pff, yeah, it was a, a heavy kind of just weird, weird night. And how, like, yeah. how was it to, 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 to get home to your missus and you yeah, kind of that, go, I'm all right, they're yeah. all right? Again, I knew kind of. after that initial release of emotion and uh, just stress, I guess, kind of, I'd give my first account, I'd had all my uniform seized, I'd had a coffee, had a chat with, with colleagues at least, and sort of trying to, I don't know, not even get back to normal, but just kind of things had slowed down at that point. And I knew, I'd, I'd driven in on that night because I lived in Ashford at the time and in the first train was about eight o'clock. We finished at seven in the morning and it was like, didn't want to wait for an hour. Yeah. So I'd driven in and um, again, there was sort of the job where like, you know, we can give, obviously give you a lift home. I was like, no, I, just, I, wanted, I wanted to drive my car home, wanted to get my car home, otherwise it would have annoyed me. Yeah. Do you feel was there if someone drives my car? I was like, no, it's fine. Yeah. I, like, I just want to... But I knew getting back to, like, my, again, my ex-missus now, it's unfortunate, but right. I'm sure we'll touch on that. Um, and my little boy, I was like, I knew that was just going to, yeah, it was, it was just went in and again, just got home and broke down again. Yeah. Um, I know, again, like, I was knackered by that point. I think I probably didn't get home till about nine o'clock in the morning. And the thing that I was really scared of is you never... I, I could remember what I'd seen, remembered what I'd dealt with, but at the same time, I didn't know if there was anything in the back of my head. And you're kind of always aware that potentially, you know, you might not be able to sleep. People have it where, you know, they can't sleep or they have flashbacks and things like that. And I, was, I remember that was the thing that I got home and had my little breakdown, had a chat with, with my ex-partner. And um, and then, yeah, it was kind of, I went up to bed and I just remember sitting there thinking, I, I don't know if I'm going to sleep. And it was yeah. it was scary and weird. But, yeah, I managed to kind of nod off for a, a couple of hours and, like, almost the relief of when I woke up, I thought, oh, okay. It's like a, a tick in that box of, right, okay, I'm... I'm okay-ish. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm still here. Yeah. And then I guess then it's just things... Again, again, I felt all right. But again, with time, things started to unfold, I guess, a little. And, 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 and how is that? I mean, before we go into any After Effects type thing, I want to be clear that at no point are we going to be sh- shitting on anyone mm. or, 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 you know, it's all of these things are so complex and so case by case an individual yeah. that even with the best support systems things can't always mm. just be all right nah. you know it's 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 crazy and unique situations yeah. so how did it kind of unfold as the weeks went on i guess or as the as the months went on even like i say the wit initially it was always just this thing of i was okay i, I remember like the amount of times i see people come up to me how are you doing like what happened and it was always i was never good but yeah. I was always like, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and that felt true. Um, I, 
It's such a strange and, and, I, yeah. and, and standard answer, isn't it? Good? Yeah. Because, okay, as, as you said, it's not good. No, no, right? exactly. It's also not bad. And exactly. It's, it's kind of just, it's nothing. It's I think, n- there's no, you're not learning yeah. anything there. Like in, in the initial few days and stuff and weeks after, like, I was still figuring out how I was to a certain extent. And, and like I say, it was, you know, the first time I put uniform back on, it was seeing how that would make me feel. And I've described it before as like, it was like I had this blank piece of paper and every time I sort of done something like put my uniform on or go back on patrol, you could it was like a tick box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's kind of all I was going through and, and it was just I guess making sure I am okay in these situations and so it was just slowly kind of figuring things out. Again, I, I don't really know how t- I I knew something that's different about me, mm. but I didn't know exactly what and I felt okay. Um, and then, yeah, it was kind of slowly after a few weeks. I I didn't really, again, I didn't notice it, but I wasn't really eating. Um, right. And I'd like sleep, I'd sleep, but wake up and just be knackered like all the time. I could get yeah. the best night's sleep and I'd be tired. And you just start to notice certain things aren't right. And like I say, there was, there was the obvious things anyway, like I say, about with the uniform and not feeling that. Um, but it was just... I just started to notice things were off and yeah, and I just was, I'd, I'd get really upset for kind of no reason. Yeah. Yeah. There was no trigger. There was no reason for it, but I'd suddenly just have this like weight or like a cloud almost just hanging over you and you just suddenly feel shit. Yeah. And there was no obvious reason that I could see for it as such. I, I thought I was kind of dealing with things. Okay. And yeah, and then I guess slowly things just got worse. Um, right. So I'm trying to think now. It would have been maybe late July or September time. Um, I was like I, say, I was living in Ashford. Yeah. The good thing about the uh, British Transport Police is where that kind of nationwide force. Yeah. So we've got a response place in in Ashford, which is again where I'd been tutored. So it was a case of um, I had the opportunity to go back there for three months, which I thought okay, that, that might be a really good idea. That yeah. might help me being closer to home. Yeah. I'd had a little bit of time off, but again, it's kind of my attitude now, and I don't, maybe with hindsight, it was the wrong thing to do, but I just wanted to try and get back to normal, yeah. and that meant going to work and doing my job. So, um, yeah, like I say, the opportunity... is kind of trying to underplay it yeah, to yourself I, so I, that you can go, no, it's all, it's all right. Yeah, I'm, and yeah. again, it, it kind of helped that there wasn't much attention on me. I was quite happy with that. I was quite happy to just get on and, and yeah. kind of be normal and the people who knew my involvement knew and the people that didn't you know didn't really matter to me so um yeah like I say I had the opportunity went down to Ashford and to be honest that was when it got really bad and right. I, I was really lucky at London Bridge my my skipper um Muller I'm good friends with him and he's always looking out for me and I remember he sort of said this like must have been not long before I went to Ashford but he's like something's not right with you right and Again, I felt it myself because I'm quite. <laughs> it's my colleagues will completely vouch for this. I'm a bit of an extrovert. I'm loud in the office. I'm a bit weird, but right. know, I feel like you need to be a bit fun because yeah. sometimes yeah. it's a heavy job. Yeah. Um, and I knew there were times where I felt like I was putting on an act, right? Even in front of my my colleagues, and and I'd sort of do something, and in my head think, why did you do that? So, yeah, he he had said to me like, I think you might need to speak to somebody. So I went down to Ashford and and it kind of, I don't know what it was, but it just got a bit worse. Things just started to feel 
rubbish. And then I kind of, like I say, started to realise, okay, I'm, I'm sort of suffering from a bit of anxiety and stuff here. Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah, to be brutally honest, it felt like that anxiety just stemmed from me being at home. Right. And I was pushing my wife away. Yeah. I just didn't want to be at home. Yeah. We had our little boy and I just, yeah, I really struggled. And I still remember there was once when, again, her, her mum, her, her family are amazing. Yeah. And her mum had come down obviously just to help out because, you know, she couldn't do it all by, you know, Mrs. couldn't do it all by herself. And, yeah, and I wasn't probably, I mean, even, I don't even realise how bad I was now, but I was probably a fucking nightmare. Yeah. And um, so her mum was down helping. I remember I was just, I was upstairs and I was getting changed. And, I would, and for no reason... I just felt like they were kind of talking about me and had the hump with me. Right. And I just I just had to get out. And, and like, again, I remember, I, was, I, was, I think I just got out of the shower and I was getting dressed. And um, and Sasha come up come up to the bedroom and she's like, you, you okay? And I was just like, no, like, I've, I've got to get out. And uh, I just, just had to get out of the house and just walked off and went walking for, like, two hours. And wow. It's just, I, I still, I didn't even realise... Yeah. That I was really not good then. Like I can look back now and go, shit man, that's not normal. It's it's tough when these things are in your head because yeah. they will then start to manifest and 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 be self-realizing as mm. such because if you start acting if you, if if you think people are acting strange towards you, then you'll start yeah. to act a certain way towards them which will cause them to be a bit yeah. Is everything all right? Yeah. And you were like, well, why are you asking? Do you know what I mean? It, was, then it starts to make it a reality it's in that itself. thing, again, now I can look back and be like, man, that was nonsense. But it was, it was such a like, contradiction because I knew, I knew something wasn't, I knew I wasn't my normal self. Yeah. But I thought I was okay. And so you just kind of, I, I just thought I'd just get on with it, just carry it's, on. It's a weird, a weird balance, yeah. right? Because you should be kind of, you'd, you can also tell yourself, well, of course I'm not my normal self. Yeah. I've, you know, this, yeah. this huge thing's yeah, happened, so yeah. it's quite right. So it's finding the balance of how far from your normal self. Yeah. But Because I said, you wouldn't, it would be even more unusual if you'd just, yeah. all that happened, and then you're going, all right, cool. Which is what I try to do, and yeah. then suddenly yeah. realise that's not very possible. Yeah. But, yeah. So when was... did you, or, or when did you kind of start to realise on what action were you able to take, I guess? I mean... I've got to, I've got to kind of go into that more as well because yeah, I think ahead. it's not fair on 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 Sasha uh-huh. to not mention it. Like I really let her down, and right. I then I, you know I was pushing her away, and clearly she's a person who I needed to be talking to, who yeah. and she knew I wasn't right, and she tried so hard to kind of help me, yeah, and I just pushed her away and. Just dist- essentially, you know, I, I got to be really honest about it. I destroyed her life because, mm. you know, I was supposed to be the strength as well that she needed. And, yeah. you know, we had a, you know, our little boy was really little still yeah, at that time. Yeah, He's yeah, only yeah, a year, yeah. a year and a year and a bit old, year and a few months. And yeah, and then I, I, I made mistakes and I went off and kind of went off with other people yeah. or another person and, and, I I want to be honest about that because, like I say, I owe that to her. Um, yeah. I just, oh, it's horrible. I was just a horrible person and she fought and fought and fought. And I've always said it like, I got married for the right reasons and we yeah. done everything we done was for the right reasons. 
And uh, again, I didn't realise what was in my head felt like, oh no, it's, it's, this is normal. Yeah. This is this is fine to be doing it. And fucking hell, man, it wasn't. It again, really yeah, wasn't. And, I, I, and it yeah. sounds as if as well, if it's going to be a really weird um, area because yeah. if purely from the incident things aren't right, but you're telling yourself exactly. it's fine, it's okay, yeah. and just going on. Then you're building that illusion. Exactly. So then, when you start acting in a inappropriate yep. way, you'll be telling yourself it's right, it's all right, it's exactly. fine. It's, it's it's the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an extension of the same thing that you've been telling yourself that, that lie to try and cope because yeah. you're yeah. going, no, it's fine. Yeah. When it's not, that then that then becomes a blanket thing over anything. Yeah, anything you do, you can go, oh, it's fine. I'm, yeah. I'm going through some oh. stuff. It's fine. It gives you almost. It gives you that excuse. Yes, completely to act up. Um, so like I say, I kind of when it ended up, I, you know, yeah, I'm sure I'll kind of go into that a bit more in a while. But yeah, um, so as I say, my, my sergeant um, tied in, or my sergeant from London Bridge tied in with the sergeant I had at um, Ashford. Yeah. And uh, they were able to sort of arrange counselling, which was all, all through work. Um, again, and it was helpful in that it was good to just get everything off my chest. Yeah. I hadn't been doing it. Like I said, I hadn't really been talking. I, had, I hadn't been talking to, to my, my wife at the time. I, my best friends, I just didn't talk to. I didn't, I didn't say anything. I, you know, we, yeah. we just, we would talk about things, but I didn't, didn't tell them anywhere near enough. Um, I just, I, I spoke to colleagues and that was quite helpful because I was genuinely honest with them. But again, it's different when they don't know you like your best friends do. But it's always that thing where I was justifying it in my head of, oh no, they've got a neutral point of view. They'll they can give the best feedback, and it's like, yeah. no, that was really stupid. It's a weird combination because I think the beauty of counselling and the Samaritans and all these other options is it is easier to talk to people you don't know. Yeah, in, definitely. In many ways, to, even with that slight distance of a work yeah. colleague, because it takes a bit of pressure off, and you yeah. don't feel embarrassed mm. or feel like you're letting anyone. Down yeah. or any of these crazy things that go through your head in those extreme moments, but yeah, at the same time, man, there's nothing like having a mate that you can yeah. talk to and that can tell you how you're mm. different or can call you out on things they'll, that they'll don't notice seem right. it. And yeah, I think that was yeah. always a thing. Like when I first started having counselling, obviously the counsellor she doesn't know what I was like before. Yeah, so yeah. I can sit there and, and get everything off my chest and tell her how I'm feeling and tell her what I'm thinking, but without her knowing me, yeah. There's only so much advice you can give, and there's only so much you can really kind of definitely tell you. Yeah, of course. Um, again, hindsight's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I know that now um, that I done well done the wrong things in, yeah. in certain ways. But yeah, so I, I again skipping ahead of it now, I guess. But I'd had that first bit of counselling, um, which was sort of eight sessions, I think, roughly something like that, six or eight. When that ended. By this point, I um, I wasn't in my marital home anymore. I was mm. I was staying at my mum's, and again, then I I can't remember exactly how it came about, but it was like I think I at that point was starting to realise things aren't great. So I think I spoke to my sergeant again, then and said like I think I need a bit more help here. Yeah, and it's it's because I, I remember when we had like Christmas. Christmas was a really difficult time because I wasn't. I, I was, to be fair, actually, at the time, to Sasha, she she really wanted me to, to be with Elijah and, and, and kind of, um, Elijah's my little boy. Yeah. And, and you know, she was trying really hard to kind of 
get keep things together and hold the family together essentially and um i just remember i had this huge anxiety that i i didn't feel like i could be around her family at christmas which right there was no they they had no issue with me yeah. and you know it's christmas was it's about family yeah, man yeah, of and course, of course. and yeah and i was so i just didn't feel like i could could be around everybody mm. and it was it was really hard and i yeah i remember kind of having a bit of a, a breakdown night i was just again i was drinking yeah on my it's it's so mad because i'm not a massive drinker yeah but and again <laughs> the excuse was in my head probably was a bit of oh, it's christmas but i was I, I was going out on my own and just drinking and getting upset <laughs> and just winding myself up and, and yeah. making things worse yeah. and yeah, I, it's, I, like it's, I remember. In those situations, it's an escape from your, yourself, right? If all the, yeah. if, if a lot of the anxiety is going on in your head, yeah, then drinking a or little bit. Kind of, it was. I, it's crazy to think that I was still functioning at work as well. Like yeah. I wasn't doing anything wrong at work. Yeah, but on the outside, it was just chaos. And I remember one of my my counselling sessions. Um, she was like, "It's quite chaotic." Like, and again, yeah. I didn't really. It just at that point I was like, oh, it's just normal. This is yeah. this, this is what I do. This is how it is." But again, it was only really when I went on to my second counsellor, things I would say started to get a little bit better. Right, because um, that's one of the interesting things, or, or one of the toughest things with counselling. I mean, as we touched upon, you can be being kept an eye on wonderfully, mm. but if you don't happen to be talking to the right person, yeah, yeah, yeah or whatever, then it's not as easy as that, and the. The sad part is a lot of people will try it once and go, oh, it's yeah. not for me. No, exactly. And the I good get thing that. here is that you did it once and it wasn't quite right. It was helping, but it yeah. wasn't quite right. Yeah. And then you went on yeah. to a second counsellor and that's when you kind of had more so, of a... So that was helpful. Friend. Just, again, with counsellors a lot of... Well, I guess it's... I can't even give it a blanket way, but yeah. certainly with my first counsellor, it was just me talking. Yeah. And um, <laughs> one of the things I always remember is... As a police officer, if you're interviewing someone, you're kind of encouraged to, to not fill that pause. Yeah. So if it's a gap, like let the person you're interviewing fill yeah. that. And uh, I I knew when I was going to counselling, I was being honest and I was saying everything I needed to say. But the, this woman would just like want me to fill the pause. And it right. was very frustrating because I'm sitting there thinking, I know what you're doing, yeah. but I haven't got anything else to say. I need <laughs> you to I need you yeah. to say something now. That's mad and, if they're using yeah. the technique that you've been trained yeah. in. It's like, and I know it, what and, this is, but I'm fine, I'm yeah. finished. <laughs> and she would never, and it would never happen. Um thankfully the second counsellor I had, she did and she would be like, Okay, you need to do this or you need to stop doing that. Yeah. And um and that started to help things. And again, I think at one point, again, I thought, Oh, I'm okay now. And then it just you're just looking at it and suddenly kind of clicks you're like oh not and again that was only really um as it came up to the year anniversary and i thought again i started thinking i was okay but i think it was the week before or maybe two weeks before there was champions league final night again and right. weirdly enough and it's I, again I, I felt comfortable with it otherwise i wouldn't have gone but my one of my best mates um was having a kind of stag do meal in Borough Market. Wow. I know. And I, I remember speaking to Wayne when I was going, because he's a Liverpool fan and they were yeah. obviously playing. I remember speaking to him. I was like, how, how are you feeling about the service next week and stuff? And and he was fine. I was like, I'm going to be honest, mate. Like, I'm, I'm not I'm not feeling particularly great. And um, again, I, I went along and, I, and I, I wouldn't have been myself at all. I know right. I, I, I can look back now at that even and think I wouldn't have been myself. 
and I remember how hard the kind of it was just yeah it was it was weird and I think I had an early I, I didn't stay out very late I wasn't again didn't yeah. drink just kind of but yeah and I <laughs> I kind of look back at that and think I, I probably shouldn't have gone to be honest yeah. it, it probably would have been better I just feel like guys this is a bit yeah, weird it's a tough um, and like I say and then the following week was the, uh, the, the 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 year anniversary since it happened and and I went along to the, the service yeah. at Suffolk Cathedral and um yeah there was there's um there's a, there's a lady at work who's kind of in charge of the welfare of officers and I remember she came up to me then and was like is there anything we can do and that was when it was like look yeah I'm not in a great place again yeah and then that led to basically again I've got to, I've got to be really honest because a lot of people will will knock job especially within the BTP a lot of them will yeah. kind of knock but they really have been so supportive and they've really yeah. looked after me as much as they can and so like I say it was from that that I, I had some therapy and and that was really a massive turning point in terms right. of kind of you know where I am now that's great <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that was um again it, I, that's it, it gives you those kind of mechanisms in how to deal with when you're feeling crap because it happens and that's been hugely important to me. To well, that's it. I think a massive thing that gets overlooked is that, again, feeling crap and all these things are natural. Yes, yeah, finding exactly. out how you deal with them when they come. If, if we're kind of taught that when you're having the down moments, you've, you've failed in some way, yeah. or you've, you've fallen off, yeah. you've gone back down that route, and then that's going to keep you there. Yeah. Whereas if you're like, no, I will be back there at some point, yeah, yeah, but compl- I exactly, know how to, exactly that. how to deal with Completely, it and how to um, counter it. It's, it was, it was, yeah, it was just awesome that um, <laughs> initially when I was in therapy, I mean, one of the things that was kind of suggested to me was that my marriage probably would have broken down eventually. Right. And at the time, I, that was, in a weird way, at the time, that was really cool to, to hear because I was like, okay, I can accept that now. Yeah. Now I look back and think, no, that wasn't, that wasn't right. Like, right. I, don't think, I don't believe that. Yeah. But at the same time, at that point, it, it helped, I guess. Um, and as a whole, it, it's been so beneficial and, and the kind of things they gave me to take away, the little bits of advice and the, and the sort of exercises, essentially, that you can do to kind of help with the down days yeah. it's been yes yeah, it's, it's been vital because you know i'm not ashamed to say the lows were you know it it was really bad there was times when i was genuinely considering taking my own life yeah. like yeah. genuinely doing it um and it was only really after the therapy that it was okay like yeah in and fact genuinely yeah. life-changing is literally a literal description of it yeah. right because it gives you those those tools and mechanisms to go, right, I can take control of this a little yeah. bit. I the, can... the simple fact is, before I had therapy, like I say, I, I, the depression was as bad as, yeah, I, I was considering taking yeah. my own life. Yeah. That hasn't happened since, touch wood, yeah. thankfully. Yeah. I haven't, it's not even crossed my mind. And, yeah, that's great. And I know in myself that, you know, sometimes there's shitty times and sometimes I'm not having a great time with work or life or whatever, but it never gets that bad anymore. And that's great to hear. I don't get carried away. I still, yeah. like I say, it's about remembering those techniques and those exercises and everything like that because, you know, I, I don't want to slip off and slip down again because... Completely. Yeah. It's, 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 it's being aware, I guess, yeah, right? Absolutely. Aware that, that it's, it's... I mean, it's weird to compare it to AA or anything else, but it's mm. being aware that it's a constant thing. It's, you know, you absolutely. need to keep on top of your mental health. Absolutely, yeah. F- forever now. And again, it's the easy comparison f- physical health. If you get in good shape, you don't just 
go, all right, I'm in good shape Stop now. now. Yeah. Stop now. No, completely. You have to keep on top of Absolutely. that if you, if you want to maintain that. And you yeah. might not keep at the same level the whole time. You're going to have yeah, ups yeah, and downs. Yeah. But it is something that needs maintaining and yeah, you need absolutely. to be aware of that, I guess. Yeah. So with all of that, like, like with the journey that you went through with the ups and downs, how was it? I, I, I believe it was kind of after a lot of that journey that you then got kind of the the, the, the spotlight on you, I guess, and got kind yeah. of to go to to I mean to Palace and to the Palace I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so, so both to, 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 to kind of get um awards and get yeah presentations. How was all that? Because that's not what I always say with awards in T V or music or anything else. That's not why you do any of it. But yeah. it's also not always a bad thing to have someone say, You're all right mate, you've done good there. You've yes. you've done something good. So how was that? Did it feel Good or was it? Did it you was, feel? It's weird because um, so two days after the incident, um, I had the opportunity to to go to the, the like Met Command Centre in Lambeth, mm-hmm. and basically we had um, Charles and Camilla were coming. We, we didn't wow. we weren't told who at the time, but it was like yeah, um, Charles and Camilla are going to come down, or some royals are going to come down and, and just kind of have a chat with a lot of the first responders. Again, that was from kind of um, the ambulance service as well, yeah. and and the Met and City Police, and. Um, Genuinely, I, I went along because it just felt like one of those things where I couldn't say no. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, I mean, I'm a normal person, so yeah. meeting whoever it was from the Royals, I was like, okay, that's pretty crazy. But it was too soon. Like right. it really was. I, I, it's. I hope it doesn't sound like I'm being ungrateful, but no. I just didn't enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I had a chat with 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 Charles and Camilla, but it was just. It's not something. Um, it sounds horrible. it's not something I'm going to remember because it was yeah. just it was too soon two three yeah. days afterwards it was just like no nah, it wasn't wasn't fun so again obviously time passed and and yeah we we found out it was such a shock for me when when this letter comes through the post and I funny I was literally just going to work actually and I picked up this letter and it looked a bit weird and official so what's that about then it was um yeah saying that you were kind of been put forward by the cabinet office i think to to kind of the royals i don't even know mm-hmm. um yeah for this award and that it was approved and and whatnot and it was going to be announced and it was just it, it was weird because not even not knocking it but you know a lot of the attention had been on wayne a lot of the attention had been on charlie for completely understandable reasons and um <laughs> i know a lot of people at work didn't even again people i, I you know don't work closely with they didn't even know I'd been there on the right. night or anything like that. So it was um, it was a shock to me anyway because I wasn't expecting anything like that um, yeah. at all. And like you say, it's, it's I was just doing my job. It was it was mad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the day, yeah, the day at the palace, Christ, and it was. Um, the good thing is they really relax you. They yeah. they kind of make it as smooth a, a process as possible, and it was great because I had my my mum, my dad, and my sister with me. Oh wow. Uh, my parents don't particularly get on very well, but it was it was nice that they <laughs> put put previous history aside. Yeah, yeah, a unifying uh, moment. Yeah, I mean, and it was, do you know what? Actually, that was probably the best thing about the whole day is seeing how proud they were. Yeah, because I, I don't want to sound blasé, but I still don't think I've done anything that amazing. Yeah. I don't. But for them to be able to sit there and, and kind of see it and get that, you know, for them to be able to come to Buckingham Palace was yeah. like. Oh man, that's pretty cool to be able to drag my parents along to that. Yeah. So um, 
<laughs> I think we joked about it myself, Wayne and Charlie. It, it was almost as surreal as the night itself because it's just like we're all pretty normal. Yeah, um, yeah. You, we're not meant to be meeting the Queen at Buckingham Palace. Like that's not that's <laughs> yeah, not meant to that's happen. That's right. It's just weird, but. The good, again, the good thing about that is I had that and then I went back to work the next day on early turn and it's just like, yeah, back to normal again. Just like, back just, to the regular. Yeah, I like being fairly regular. Yeah, you know, I can't say normal because no one at work will accept that I'm normal. But. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the most amazing things that I think you, or certainly I've learned in life, is no matter how, what crazy situation happens, mm. the next day... It's all back to normal. Yeah. It's, it's like I've lived in the same town my whole life. Yeah. And I've had some mad things where I'm like, I've got to, to be on set with this person yeah, or yeah. do a gig with this person. And then the next day, just, all right, I'll just, <laughs> I guess I need to, to, to pop to Tesco. Yeah. I'll get oh, some stuff. Put the, put the bins out. It's you know? not, yeah. It's, exactly it, that. It's, unless, I guess yeah. unless you get to a, a Johnny Depp type, that, that kind of thing, <laughs> where life has then changed completely. But yeah. it's like in general, m- most things that you would see as this yeah. huge deal. Yeah. It all just it's it's it happens then yeah and then it stops happening yeah and what is that yeah and I know a lot of people at work were kind of like surprised when we went, oh, I thought you were gonna have a day off I was like no it's just <laughs> yeah. no let's just go back to normal again yeah. it was um yeah I, I as I said kind of earlier I touched on even after the kind of the attack I wanted to get back to normal and yeah. it's the same really with that like it's just a, a yeah, it would just just go back to normal. Completely. So, uh, so how was it to go to the other palace, Selhurst Park? To... The, the real palace. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, man. This was... is the issue because obviously a lot of fans will know I'm a Millwall fan and Palace and Millwall aren't aren't the best of friends. I'm but pretty still, sure we you can, dug me out for that. The forget. second message you sent me was digging me out for my choice of football team. <laughs> yeah, so, uh... It was. The first one was very uh, humbled and, 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 and lovely and the second one was, yeah, well, the palace thing. But yeah. Yeah, so how was that? Because that means that a lot was, as well. That, that does was really mean cool. Again, it's, but it's weird because things like that, as you know, going going to Sellers Park, like I, I do it a lot. Yeah. So that was kind of going on the pitch was really special, and I can't yeah. compare it to meeting the Queen. But at the same time, it was like I'm on the pitch of Sellers Park, and yeah, like again, it's, that was good. It's, it's, it's special because it's something that's within familiarity yeah, as well. Exactly. <laughs> the pal- to Buckingham Palace to meet the Queen that's nothing that's ever on your exactly, radar that's... but sitting at Palace you've looked at that yeah, pitch your whole yeah, life you've looked at all that you that know. was that was awesome and again it was we, we kind of got a whole day the club kind of looked after us in the morning and we got a, got a I think I was on nights as well actually just then so I was, I was pretty knackered but yeah yeah I took my stepdad along because he's the reason I'm a Palace fan yeah so you can blame him <laughs> but it, again it was just it was it was cool to be able to just treat like people would like my near and dear and, and take him along um that's mad it was mad yeah. and funny like i say i've got the they gave me a, a signed shirt and that's literally just the medal from the queen is just sat next to that so <laughs> I, I don't know what else to do with it so just yeah you can I go go with a shirt i love it that's perfect <laughs> so, place. Uh, so let's 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 talk now as, as we'll start to, to wrap things up yeah uh, let's talk about uh the london marathon and yes. and who you're raising money for in that because that's kind of an interesting one because it all comes around because yeah exactly a guest that was on hardcore listing yeah and so yeah so um so yeah i mean i've always wanted to run the london marathon it's like a bucket list thing um five years ago i had a charity spot but i ruptured my acl playing football so couldn't and then my deferred place next year was when i was still having like the recovery so so kind of lost that so basically (laughs) i haven't milked this whole medal thing at all but it was like (laughs) 
really want to do the marathon and I'd like to try and raise some money. And it was always in my head, I wanted to do it for some sort of kind of mental health charity. Yeah. I was looking at like mind have a blue light um, section. And yeah. So that was the first thing that had, excuse the pun, sprung to mind. And so I knew about PTSD 999 because I had a sergeant who had kind of, again, when I was having a crap time, sort of said, you probably should go there. But it was at the club night, um, I got chatting to Stu and I was aware again that they had, They'd had um, Gary from PTSD 999 on um, on hardcore listing, yeah. and I hadn't listened to it because I knew it was going to be a pretty heavy one. It's a tough one, right? Um, yeah. Gary has uh, previously worked in the BTP as well, yeah. So I guess he's got a lot of kind of understanding about the kind of things we deal with on the railway. So um, I knew it was going to be a difficult listen. I'd spoken to I spoke to Stuart about it. And I was like, right, okay, I'm going to definitely listen to it this week. So I did a couple of days. Might have even been the next day, day after, a day or two after listen to it and it just was massively impactful for me and anyone who's listening to this who hasn't certainly officers wise or and that's you know including from fire service and ambulance service i would really suggest you do it just blew me away man it's a hell of an episode yeah really amazing and you don't expect it on hardcore listing no no exactly exactly (laughs) it's weird when they go highbrow and emotional um but because what it is so ptsd 999 is is a support service for people in the services. Yeah, of, serving, of, of, non-serving, yeah. kind of families as well of people who, you know, obviously it's PTSD as well, but, it's you know, if, if you're having a crap time, they're not going to say no to helping you. Yeah, yeah. And, um, well, hopefully in the very soon coming weeks, um, they're going to have an official charitable status because at right. the moment it's kind of just an organisation and they're doing what they can. Yeah. But, yeah, the, listen, obviously having kind of gone through my own stuff, it just hits home how important it is to have someone like that. And I think the whole blue light section of it makes a massive difference because... Yeah. And it's, it's for, as I said, I think it was was key as well that you said serving or not serving. Yeah, yeah, that completely. can be the tough thing. If if you've left the service, yeah. it can be tough to kind of be going back to there yeah. to get any help or guidance because yeah, yeah. you're not there anymore. Exactly. So it's that thing of going, right, no, it doesn't just stop yeah. when you leave. His... And I think the whole thing is like, it's... it's one thing that I noticed every time I, I kind of spoke to people in that aftermath of London Bridge is, you know, I'd be talking about, the, you know, be, you have that conversation of what happened, how you feeling. And so many times the reaction of people was, oh, well, I know it's not comparable, but I had this thing. Yeah. And they would talk about how it affected them. And I quickly realised that it doesn't matter how well publicised that incident is or how big a thing it is. Like, if you have a traumatic experience... It's yeah. a traumatic experience, and it's gonna. And, and if that affects you, that affects you. And like I say, kind of tying it in with with PTSD nine nine. That's that's what that's all about. It's not about kind of going. Oh, it's only it's only a little thing. I shouldn't talk about. It's like no, if something's bothering you, if something's yeah. affecting you, then do something about it. Yeah, there's um, no ranking in completely, in, in, completely in, that. In, in and your despair, it's and it's exactly that thing. Like I say, because I was talking to so many people about my own thing. I just got these little stories from other people and, and, and you realise how I mean, much it's there. There's probably a good chance that you pushed yours down a bit because, you know, you didn't go through what Wayne went through. Compl- yeah, no, true. Through, what? You know, there's a lot of these true. things where you've said, every 10 minutes or so, you've said, I don't feel I really did anything. So that, yeah. that's clearly a thing yeah. there that you feel there's other people that went through worse. And that will, yeah, that absolutely. could be a reason that you kind of, you will push things down or not, not address it. Probably true, man. I, I, <laughs> I hadn't really looked at it. I, know, yeah. I mean... It's not, yeah, it's not, it's not an intentional thing to kind of play it down, but clearly 
there were people who were more affected because yeah, you know yeah. lives were lost and yeah, yeah, of course. and uh, so many people were injured. But um, yeah, it just, I, I say it just blew me away. Then when you're having these conversations and people just kind of not wanting to compare their thing to it, and it's just like okay, there's a lot of people that that have a hard time. And again, I know from the aftermath of the whole London Bridge thing, and I again, this isn't a dig at the job, but there were a lot of people that struggled really like struggled a lot and weren't getting the same support I was it was kind of easy for the job to look after me because they knew what I'd done and they'd known yeah. what I'd seen for other people who have responded and you know there's there's hundreds hundreds and thousands of people that would have responded from you know forces and you know LAS and stuff mm. um it's a difficult thing it's a difficult thing for the job to reach those people of course and so I think again that's why this is such an important it's, it, organization it's, because it's such a broad net to yeah, try and catch yeah, everyone yeah. and equally however involved you were or involved or not a, situ- a thing like that happening mm. that changes how your yeah. work is yeah yeah because you don't know that wasn't no one expected that. Exactly. So that suddenly puts everyone yeah, exactly. on in no one, a different no one mindset, that, yeah. in a different yeah, yeah. Um, and so, like I say, it was just it, it just all kind of yeah hit home of yeah. This, there's a lot of people that kind of need help and probably need to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. Like again, I wish I had done something sooner because had I done that, then I probably would still be married. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. you never, you never know. You never yeah. know. Of course, yeah. but. Had I got the right help sooner, had I really spoken to someone properly sooner, yeah, things might have been different. Yeah, and it's just all about that. And you know, I, I'm, I'm like I say, I, I talk, I will talk to people, and I know there's a lot of people that aren't as outgoing as I am, and sure. therefore, you just bury it around, bury it away. And the festive periods, there's, there's, I know from stories that there's a lot of that's a real difficult time for a lot of police officers. Yeah. I can't speak for every service, but I know there's a lot of officers that kind of were in a dark place and took the wrong choice, you know. Yeah. Um, and like I say, we've, I just want to raise as much awareness now of PTSD 999 because even if, you know, or obviously I'm fundraising for the marathon, but even if it's not about giving the money, it's about raising the awareness of look, yeah. there's, there's someone here that can help and hopefully just... Yeah, hopefully if it's, it's, it's going to do some good because that's what I want to do now. It's, we've had this really shit event. Yeah. So now I want to try and make something good come from that. And find, and find yeah. the, the positive out of it. Exactly. Oh, well, that's perfect. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of wrap things up there um, unless there's anything else you wanted to... No. To address <laughs> I don't know. Into... I'll probably. I mean, I'll probably leave and be like, "Oh, I should have said I should this. Have said I should have said that." that. But, always the way, man. But no, like, like I say, I just it's just all about. It's almost a cliche thing, but just if anybody is having a shit time, just talk. And and, and, and like, again, I think it's particularly in the service as well. Is your you've got to be strong. You, you've got to be the strong people yeah. there, and that means it can be hard to acknowledge at times when you're struggling or when you're not feeling. Yeah, strong. I mean, look, part it's not the problem, but it's like I said earlier. Like you put this uniform in on, yeah. and it's an act. Everything yeah. that's going on away from that job, you are putting away. Yeah, um, and this again, I know from speaking to kind of ambulance staff as well, it's a similar thing for them. You know, they they could be dealing with someone who they know is not in a good way, but you have to. Put yeah. on this front, you yeah. have to, and and it's the same in the police, and I'm, I'm sure it's the same in the fire services. That you know, you have to maintain that that kind of act of this is we've got this under control and it's all right. 
and you know doing that a lot can can kind of cause problems yeah, in the long run i mean and it's so easy and common yeah. to self medicate with booze exactly. or with all these other things exactly. and you know i get it yeah. you know i, I get yeah, yeah, that i don't think it's right but i no. fucking understand <laughs> yeah. it there's it's not it's it's it, it's a tough thing but hopefully yeah with the raising awareness from the marathon, from the podcast, all that kind of thing, yeah. is that is there's no there's no weakness in getting help. There's a strength in getting help. Completely, you know? completely. There's, there's a weakness in not a weakness, but the, the problem is when you're not addressing it. The strongest thing to do is go look. Yeah, this isn't all right. I need to. It, it's certainly still that that thing a little bit in the police where it is it's macho. And yeah, yeah, of course. You know, I get it. It's not me, but I get. I do get it. And, it, and, and you can and have that opinion of again comparing. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. if, if 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 Mark exactly. is struggling, well, yeah. Mark might be. He might be looking at yeah, you yeah. and going, "Well, if Tom ain't struggling." And again, it's always that thing then of, "Oh, but my thing's only a little thing that's bothering me." So yeah. It's not. If it's bothering you, then it's yeah. it's just as important as as what anyone else is going through. Yeah, so completely. yeah, man, that's that's just that's what it's all about. So, so where can people um, sp- sponsor you for the the marathon? Um, I'll put links as well. Yeah. In so I mean, I've got I've got my Just Giving page, yep. which I've is some really long complicated link. Yeah. Um, but that's like uh, I guess that's on my Twitter page, which yeah. is um, Leon MCL eighty eight, I think, and right. Instagram. Yeah. Like I'm just posting it as much as I can. Um, again, PTSD's nine nine nine's media team are kind of doing their bits and pieces as well so right. i'm just trying to push it as much as i can to be honest yeah, yeah. Th- that's perfect well thank you very much for coming on and and chatting and being Thanks so, for having me, man. so open about it all yeah, and that's cool i believe you're going to do a hardcore listening as well at some point which yeah, will probably be I mean, a lot less um, heavy and stressful exactly than man like yeah that was because that's of, what we discussed like yeah, me yeah. and she were saying well i'll <laughs> i'll do the heavy one yeah the heavy one, and you have him on to just Dick about. Well, that's it. Then at least I can kind of, yeah, like, not that this isn't my normal personality, but this is, you know, it's it's a it's a heavy subject. Whereas at least of with that, course. I can kind of be, yeah, yeah. Work, Leon. What can I say? Yeah. But, yeah well, man. well, I, I genuinely appreciate you 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 coming on and said oh, this was something that you know I I approached y- yeah. you about and we kind of discussed if it was right and how to approach it. So I, yeah, I'm 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 delighted that you decided it was the right platform and yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you. You've been listening to Squibbish Pits Discretion Pieces. There we go. That was, uh, that was Leon. Amazing dude. Um, thank you for tuning in and thank you to Leon for being so heart-wrenchingly open. I didn't expect a lot of that. I didn't know any of his home life story and things like that. And he really he wanted to be open and take... It's mad that I was bringing him on to talk about all the things he did that he should be proud of. And his focus was talking about the ways in which he fucked up. You know, the things he did wrong, the mistakes he made. That's... A testament to to Leon as a character. So um, I said at the beginning, I'd tell you a little bit about the song Cowboy. I didn't want to fill the start up because some people just just want to get onto the interview. But um, Cowboy, I said, was on mine and Dan Lassac's second album, The Logic of Chance, um, available now on iTunes, Spotify. Um, Cowboy had a music video made for it, so it's free on YouTube. It's the one true story I've written. In general, my lyrics 
I base them on true emotions and true experiences, but I draw from those true emotions and true experiences and write fiction. I make up a new fictional story based on the um, the true events of of my life or of the lives of those close to me. But Cowboy was the one that's based on a true story, and it's based on a story about uh, my nan, um, and it's about when. Um, I mean, there's no there's no way to sh- sugarcoat this. It's a, based on about when uh, someone attempted to rape my nan. Um, and that sounds like a terrible subject for a pop song. But honestly, the, the, the way she handled it, the actions she took have always been inspirational to me. Um, and I thought it was a hell of a story to share. I mean, interestingly, with International Women's Day last week, I posted about a load of my favourite episodes with women on. And last year, episode 192, uh, the the Mother's Day special, I had my mum on the podcast to talk about her mum. And we talk about that story um, in in detail that we've never talked about before, really. You know, it's one that I always knew, but it's, it's not like we sit down and catch up over, over it all. So to hear my mum's outlook on all of it was amazing. So yeah, go and check that out if you get a chance. That's all I need to tell you about. As said, the Straction Pieces podcast rewind um, on Monday at patreon.com slash Pip. And yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, really, we talk about it at the end of the podcast there, but Leon is running the London Marathon. Um, I'll share the links and stuff when this podcast goes out. I'll make sure I put the links in, um, in tweets or Facebook or Instagram. If you see... The posts and the links aren't there. Just just give me a nudge. I'll chase Leon up and get the links and put them in there. At Scroobius Pipio on all of those platforms. Or just Scroobius Pip on Facebook. Yeah. Please go and chip in and and, and, and get involved. Because he's doing this for, yeah, an amazing cause. And Leon is going to be on Hardcore Listing, as we touched upon. Um, talking about stuff. He's picking his top five. I believe the last time I spoke to him, his plan was to do his top five American Office moments. Or maybe it was top five pranks that Jim and Pam have played on Dwight. Something along them lines. Um, but he'll also be talking about doing the marathon for PTSD 999 um, and raising money for those guys. So, yeah, it's 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 been a hell of an episode. Please, as I mentioned in the intro, please shout about it online if you enjoyed it. Um, I'll tell you, actually, as we're at the end here, I'll, t- 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 I'll tell you who next week's guest is. Let me just check. I've got so many recorded at the moment, man. The people over at the Patreon obviously get to see each time I record one and who the guest is, and they have to wait ages for some of these. Oh, next week is Johan Harry, who's an amazing author, and we talk about the roots and causes of depression and and, and, and mental health issues and some of the possible s- solutions within our society and within our, ourselves as individuals. So, yeah, hell of a chat. You're going to really en- enjoy that one. So tune in next week for that. But until then, I've been Scroobius Pip, and this has been the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 257.